Now this is our last session officially in the, of the classes of the fear of man. Next week, uh, to mark on your calendar, obviously being Easter Sunday, we have a breakfast down here. I think, uh, is it, what time is it? Do we know? Same time. So you'd be, we'd be down here for breakfast. So there'll be no, no, no Sunday school. Um, then the following week, we'll just finish up with a, a panel. Uh, it'd be Pastor Paul and probably Pastor Jeff, because uh, I'm out of Cochrane again. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of homework from this session to do, so that you, they'll ask you some, so you've got to do the homework, otherwise there won't be any point of the class. Uh, and then there'll be a chance to ask some questions of those uh, men just referring back to the whole course. So that'll just be a nice way to tidy things up. Um, so let me begin. Let me pray and, and we'll go into this last class. Father in heaven, we praise your name this morning. We uh, come to you recognizing our great need uh, of a great God of great mercy. Uh, we thank you for the mercy you've shown in sending your son Jesus Christ to be uh, the sin bearer uh, in our place on the cross and that he's risen again for our justification. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who indwells us and even makes the word of God understandable. May we be ruled by your word even this morning, uh, even changed by it, even as we seek to fear you more and man less and therefore love uh, you more and love our neighbor better. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so over this course, as you know, we've, we've thought about various ways that we struggle with the fear of man um, and then how to begin seeing God as bigger than man, okay? So it's a perspective thing, seeing God as bigger than other people. But the opposite response to fearing people is this. It's not simply to stop fearing them, but to start loving them. Not simply to stop fearing people, but to love them. And that is the key theme of this morning's class. Loving and serving instead of fearing and needing. So see how we end it all with love. So what is the key theme, someone? I can't believe you've forgotten it already. Who said that? Oh, loving and serving. Yes, exactly. Instead of fearing. Okay? That's where we want to end on that love aspect. As we properly fear the Lord, we will grow then in our desire and ability to love the Lord and love our neighbors. So that's the way it, it works. So we will be a people marked by love. It's interesting, we had our, our, uh, our community group yesterday and it was just a great time and we're looking around and all these people there and I was speaking with a few of the folks and there's all these kids and, and, and I, I said, you know, as I travel to other churches, and, I, and the good churches that, that will invite me to, 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 to speak, I come back and I always say to my fellow elders, you know, we're, this is a good church, yeah? This is a really good church. Obviously, there's no perfect church, and we're pressing on, but, but the leaders uh, are sound, and, and they're united. We love one another as, as, as men, as elders. And, and I said, now, our people are, are marked with a teachability, and they love each other and I think that love has really marks Calvary Grace and the new people come in they often say the people are so loving and uh, and when there's a need you know that you you guys you you reach out and so this is a mark that we want to have is that that we're marked by love 
so we need a reorientation to God that is from God. You've got your outline there, so you'll see these key markers as I'm going through. Um, we're, we're only able to understand what it means to love others instead of fearing them as we understand and live in the reality of a changed relationship to God. Because he loved us, we fear and love him. Because he loved us, we need to love others. In a sense, it's like a debt of love that we owe to other people because of how much he's loved us. I want us to look at First uh, John 4 as a, as a key text to, for this morning. First John 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And then down to verse 18. There is no fear in love. So notice the connection between fear and love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So we see then that connection then between loving God and, and the way it relates to fear. So, so a couple of notes on this. God's love was costly. What is this love like? It's costly. He sent Jesus, his son, to the cross to die. In his incarnation and his atoning work, he provides the ultimate example of one that loved others in the most costly, difficult, and painful of ways. Like, if you ever, if you ever doubt God's love for you, you just got to look at the cross. If you ever doubt that, if you ever look in your life and you're suffering, uh, things and you might think well is God near does he love me and you've got to look at the cross if he gave his own son for you how will he not also give you everything you need to become like his son he's done the hardest thing he's kept the most difficult promise from Genesis 3:15, and sent his own son the rest is just gonna roll in in his way and, and in his time it's a, it was a costly love and and that's one of the ways that we need to, as we think about what it means to love others instead of fearing them, we've got to learn what God's love is like. So it's costly love. As we are reoriented to God, we also recognize it's a gracious choice to love, to love us. Okay, so this doesn't boost our self-esteem in, in, in terms of thinking, oh, we're so great and deserve love. No, he chooses to love us uh, because he is love. It's a choice to love. Ephesians 1 you know, it says that God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So God makes a choice, even before the foundation of the earth, to set his love upon particular people. 
And so there's no room for us to boast. You know, if God acted so towards us, how could we then act with anything less than a love like that towards others? And, and if God has already accepted us in Christ in this way, uh, why would we still allow ourselves to be ruled by a desire for acceptance from others if we're accepted by God in the Beloved? And so then, if you understand that, that, that love, and that love's not changing, right? If he's loved you in Christ and chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the earth, if that has been accomplished on the cross of, of Calvary, he, he's not going to stop loving you next week or the week after that or when your faith is a bit low or when suffering hits you or when that awkward person comes into your life, that person that you might be tempted to fear and look to for acceptance. Your acceptance is solid. It is rooted in God's loving choice. So God's love is, is costly. Uh, God's love is gracious choice, gracious choosing. And then finally, as we reorient to God, as we, we want to understand what love is really like, we are able to then rejoice in the God that has accepted, protected, and, and cared for us. It's so radical and transformative that it not only then changes our relationship with him, it changes our relationship with others. So perfect love drives out fear of man. Perfect love from God drives out fear of man. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so when we reorient ourselves to God and what love looks like from God toward us, then that begins to change our relationship. We reorient towards other people. We can love and serve them instead of fearing and needing them. We love and serve instead of fearing and needing. We go outwards to give instead of uh, pulling away or sucking the life out of. Think of a marriage, you know, you, your spouse. You, unless, you're, unless you're reoriented to God and his love vertically to, to you, you won't be able to give of yourself 100% to your spouse. You'll be looking to your spouse to meet that need of love, to meet that need of acceptance, of respect or whatever. And when your spouse lets you down, as they will do, you will begin to demand of them. And then that's how you begin to devour one another. But if you're oriented to God and his love for you, then the o you're going to have overflow all the time of, of, of love towards others in your life and it will be loving and serving instead of fearing and needing and that means then a few things this is in now we're in section two because of God's costly love towards us we can then take big risks in our relationships with other people you can begin to risk you can be begin to step out how because you're secure in God's love for you that doesn't change it's perfect love right if God is for you who can be against you so you can then step out towards in, in risky relationships. You don't need acceptance or approval from other people because you have that already from God. That's the foundation on which you stand. And so what, what we do is we tend to fear stepping out into risky conversations or, or, or relationships because we fear rejection often. Yeah, we might fear rejection. But if you're rooted and solid in your Father's love for you in the Son, by the Spirit, you can then take risks 
as you go towards other people. And hey, if you do get rejected, uh, you're still securing God's love for you. It's key. And a reorientation to God then sees others' true value and, f- and function. Others weren't created to, to be feared, but for us to love. Think of that. People aren't created for us to, to, be f- for, for us to fear them, but for us to love them. This is radical, isn't it? Thinking, you think of the Christian life as opposed to what secular society is telling you. People are to be feared, they are out to get you, uh, and the, the idea is not love, but the idea is so often revenge or one-upmanship or making sure you are superior to. What are some of the differences between loving and serving versus fearing and needing? Some of the differences between loving and serving versus fearing and needing. Loving others is not necessarily the same thing as being nice to others. Sacrificing for others or saying yes to others uh, is not the same thing as just being nice. In fact, sometimes um, a niceness or in the form of a, a sacrifice can be a clothing that our fear of man hides in. Sometimes loving others means doing things that they will not all automatically perceive as nice. You know, it might be saying no to someone. It might be having that difficult conversation with someone where you have to speak the truth in love. At, f- at first, they might not f- feel that uh, or think that as love. Uh, what about with your children and disciplining them? At first, they don't see that as, as love. Loving others will certainly involve, involve sacrifice, as we see later in 1 Corinthians 13, which is your homework piece that I'm going to give you. Okay, so, so sacrifice al- alone does not necessarily equal love, but it's fueled by love. Okay, so you, you might feel an intense desire to give to others and sacrifice for them, but it's done out of a desire to keep them pleased sometimes or keep them from rejecting you. So learning to discern the differences between loving and serving versus fearing and needing is key. So then, moving on, who, who do we need to love and serve? Who do we need to love and serve? Well, we need to love and serve God, okay? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's the first and uh, greatest of the commandments, okay? So God first. That's our number one. We always need to keep God primary. But then there are various uh, categories of people, if you like, that the scriptures talk about that we need to love. Think about enemies. Okay? Now, enemies could be classified as people that uh, want to harm you or maybe have harmed you in the past. But listen to Jesus' words in Luke 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies... Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? 
For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. So he's calling us to radical enemy love. He says, what good is it? If someone does you a favor, you do it back. This is fall short of the love that I'm calling you to, the higher standard. It hurts to love enemies. It's not safe, maybe, to love enemies. It's scary to, to love enemies. Um, and yet, if we're to obey Jesus, as he's commanded us to love, that's what we're called to do. Because enemy love in actually imitates the very love of God for us, because we were enemies of God. And he loved us while we were still enemies. Um, and, and we can act like enemies towards one another, right? We can really act like enemies towards one another at times. And so we are called to extend that, that love uh, when people offend us, even in, in the church. Uh, uh, just a note, though, a love for enemies might take on some different actions because love for an enemy may include needing to turn them over to earthly authorities if they've broken the law. Uh, it may mean a physical uh, separation to avoid further harm. So, so there is a wisdom that we need to exercise in, in loving enemies, those who would harm us and, or have harmed us in the past. So that's just a note to, to, to be aware of. So the looking here at who do we need to love and serve, we've seen God, we see enemies, uh, we see neighbors. You know, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. He teaches in the parable of the Good Samaritan that this is a catch-all category. No age, ethnicity, socio-economic difference, political or personality. We're expected to love uh, others uh, as neighbors. Uh, There's our physical families, okay? It's in the context of the family that we first learn to show love, that we're first shown love, uh, and that we're called to show love and concern in that in the home. Um, And it's often in that context, isn't it, that we find it most difficult uh, in showing true love. And and even as we grow to to adulthood, um, how we love our blood relations is often a, uh, it's an anvil for us to be uh, sanctified on in the way that we will extend love. Uh, But you are to honor your father and mother to the end of your days. Um, That is uh, a huge thing and, and, and in our culture I, I don't believe that we recognize that well enough and what that looks like you know Jesus think of Jesus with his mother when Jesus is on the cross he makes sure his mother is taken care of he honored her uh, to the end and so there was a concern and a love that he showed and modeled even for for physical families um, and then there's brothers and sisters and these categories of people, and there'll be crossover, obviously. There's brothers and sisters in the church. New Testament is full of how we're to relate uh, to the family of God. Um, Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 10, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of God. And of course, one of the best evangelistic tools, and I was talking about love, even as I see it in our church, and as people come into our church and they see it, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. It's an evangelistic tool, the way that we love each other in the church. Um, The way that that's physically worked out, the way 
I don't know, uh, think, of, um, think of when Katie Arenholz was in hospital a few years ago, um, the witness of, uh, of, of the church then to those people, um, those, uh, the, the staff, the medical staff there was phenomenal as people visited, as people prayed, as they sang, and, um, and even as, uh, as we witnessed firsthand how Tim just ministered to his, his wife. Um, think of Steve Overell, it, where he is at the moment, and as um, folk go out to visit him from, from our church and, and pray with him and, and, and read the scriptures with him, what a witness that is as we're loving one another. It's a witness to, to, to the world. So, And then there's finally unbelievers. The unbelievers could fit into some of these categories and cross over. You know, it could be en- enemies, it'd be f- in, into family members as well. Um, but we should pray for, for them. We should be prepared to speak of the hope of the gospel that's in us. We should treat them as image bearers, not like gospel projects. Um, but you know... We must be so overwhelmed with God's love, perfect love, towards us that we can step forward fearlessly to uh, evangelize unbelievers. It's like we must help people. Look what we've been saved from and to, from the wrath of God, from hell, uh, to the love of God and, and heaven. So how can we not? How can we not tell others, people? And so we, we, we pray about those things and, and we pray that the Lord would give us not fear but a holy, holy boldness because it's scary, I think, it's for all of us to tell people the gospel and find ways in. I don't know if you find, this isn't an evangelism course, but I don't know if you find sometimes even, oh, how am I going to get into that conversation and tell them? And then uh, I know I've, I remember sometimes when when I was playing soccer and we'd be like sitting at the dinner table or before an away game and there'd be an opportunity that I could s- speak maybe and I, d- I pulled back, I didn't say anything. Why? Because f- I'm with 20 guys and if I say, now they all knew I was Christian and there were other times that I thought, oh, if I say something, I'm just going to get a heap of s- stick, you know, the Mickey taking and all of that. So I pulled back, fear, right? Fear of man, fear of rejection. Um, so we all sort of, We'll, we'll sense that at different times, um, but we, we need to be in prayer in general for, our, for unbelievers that we know and that God would then keep us on the front foot ready for, for, for speaking the gospel and that he would open a door for the word to go through as well. If you're praying like that in Colossians 4 style, you're asking the Lord, open a door and suddenly you, you start seeing uh, opportunities open up. So, so these are the types of, of folk that we need to be thinking about of who do we love and serve instead of fearing and needing? God, enemies, unbelievers, neighbors, physical families, brothers and sisters. That's the categories the Bible speaks of. And then what love, uh, what shape does this loving and serving take? So here's your, your homework. 1 Corinthians 13 is a great text to understand the shape that our love and service should take towards others. Loving and serving instead of fearing and needing. So you're going to have to read 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 3 to 7 would be good. Sit down uh, with a piece of paper and the Bible and then start thinking about these descriptions of love that, that, that it marks out, that Paul marks out, and how then you can begin applying those 
towards even people that you might fear. Write them down, pray, pray through them, uh, and then at the uh, panel discussion, Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Jeff will, will have a few minutes where he's just going to ask you. If you're a member of this church, consider the covenant that you've made to each other here. We've committed to love and serve each other in the context of this particular church. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes the, remember we said that at the gospel partner meeting, remember when Jared had his pictures up and kept coming up with him kissing his wife and it took us about 15 minutes to get through the covenant, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> There's that bit there where we will walk together in brotherly love and, and, and watchfulness and care and faithfully admonish each other and rejoice in our, each other's happiness, all of these things. So take 1 Corinthians 13 and, uh, and those texts there and write some things down. L- note the characteristics, and I think you've got, you've got some help there in the outline, obviously, and then see how that might apply uh, practically uh, in the church or even outside the church and think of some specific maybe examples that you may want to share appropriately even if, if it's somebody or a particular person that you feared and we can we can fear each other within the church of course we can okay so that's the way we want to develop then that true servant heart out of a love loving heart looking to serve others rather than fear and need them and, and so, guys, we, we're called into this church and into each other's lives, and it's going to be messy at times. It's going to be messy, okay? We are not called to live in isolation. We're called to live uh, in the brotherhood and sisterhood of a, of a local church, and loving and serving each other involves being involved in the lives of others, and it's going to be difficult and inconvenient and messy at times, okay? So, a couple of things then. Consider then your motivation, okay? Is your motivation because you got, God has loved you and you desire to love others, or is it that you might be loved more by God and others because of the, what you've shown towards others? Uh, what about if you make a move of love towards another person and they respond with indifference or with anger? Okay? How will you then respond? That will, di- that will reveal in your heart what was your true motivation. So consider your motivation. Secondly, look to Jesus. You have a great description in Philippians 2 uh, of the humility of Christ and the love of Christ and uh, and. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Um, and then you think, have this mind of amongst yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you're a Christian, you do have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. It's the spirit of Christ who indwells you. You have the mind of Christ. It's just about being who you are and acting like who you are. But you still need to study Christ and the life of Christ. A great practical thing, read the Gospels. Well, we're in preaching through the Gospel, but, but read the Gospels, these portraits of Christ and the life of Christ. It's where you get it up close and personal. So I really recommend you that you should be reading, like you might have a 
you know, a portion of scripture you're reading every day. But spend some time in the gospel, one of the gospels each week. Because you see Jesus up close and personal, in the incarnate Jesus, acting with other people. You see how he humbles himself to love others. So study Christ. You have the mind of Christ. If you're a Christian, you can consider others more significant than yourselves. But then Jesus will f- fleshes that out in his example in the Gospels. And then thirdly, just regularly pray for people. Pray for their relationship God, with God. Pray that God would give you a heart of love towards uh, people because perfect love drives out fear. Pray that he'll remove a heart driven by fear and uh, enlist it to love others. I think we underestimate the power of prayer in that regard. And then, you know, let's say there's a there's p- person that you are particularly fearing or even a situation involving people that you're particularly fearing. When you begin to pray for those people like that, it's hard to fear them. It, it's harder to be angry with them um, as you're praying for them in that way. And then here's a key one to, to, to finish this little section and then we'll be done in a couple of minutes is think about how you can minister to people in specific ways. So here's scheme for other people's good. So when you come to church on a Sunday, have you thought about who you're going to speak to today? Have you thought, oh, after church, I'm going to go over and speak to Oli, because I haven't seen him for a couple of weeks, and I want to see how he's doing and ask about him, and ask how I might pray for him. Or I, I always sit on the right side of the church. I'm not I, but this, I'm saying this is an example. You know, I might sit on the left side of the church this week, because uh, what happens is, if you like me, you get talking to the people around you, and then the left side's gone, or other people are gone. And, or, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a young mum, and I get together speaking, because there's all these new babies, and we just get talking about new babies. Tell you what, though, I'm going to go, it's, and then it's easy just to stay in that group, but I want to go and talk to that family over there because I don't really talk to them very much. Um, or that person's really weird and a bit awkward and because I'm not, I'm just normal, but they're really <laughs> odd. Um, and I don't really, oh, if I go over and speak to them, it's going to be awkward conversation and what will I say and you know, how do I even start a conversation? But maybe I can go over and say, oh, hi, my name's so-and-so, and if, we've not, if you've not met before. Um, and uh, I just wanted to ask you, how could I pray for you? It's really easy, because when you ask that, people should be able to say, oh, you know, that, thank you, uh, I've got this on. And, and then they might say, well, how can I pray for you? And then you could follow up. You've got a scheme for, for good for other people. You've got a scheme for good. So that's a really, you know, think about how you can minister to others in specific ways. Um, and so then the results of loving and serving rather than fearing and needing are things like unity. As we seek to love and serve others versus fearing and needing, we pursue and experience unity that then begins to be manifest in the body of Christ because love moves outwards and towards, fear moves away and, and drains uh, other people. Unity um, doesn't mean just getting along, it means living in such a way that we are first and foremost focused on Christ, and as we are collectively focused on on Jesus, we find a unity with one another 
and, and uh, in the way that we work out these horizontal relationships. You know, think of your conversations. You know, you have gospel-centered conversations with others. Community group yesterday, right? We're talking, we're chatting, but our conversations are framed by the things of God. We're kind of turning towards Christ, even as we're speaking towards one another. We're encouraging each other to think biblically and to look to Christ as our hope and, uh, and as our motivation. And so you gain a, a unity that is supernatural. It's deep unity. And it's genuine unity. Uh, and then you also, this result of loving and serving rather than fearing and needing, you get genuine respect and appreciation of others. We, go to, we grow to know people in deeper ways. Um, and it's interesting sometimes that we fear other people. We don't really know them, right? We don't really even know them. But when we get to know people by loving them in specific ways, um, we learn about them more deeply. Uh, so then we can serve them more effectively as we get to know each other's lives and what's, what's gone on in our lives in the the past, oh wow, I never knew that about that person. Wow, what, all that they've suffered, all that has happened in their lives, how God has been so good to them. Um, uh, we begin to understand each other more, we can pray for each other better, and we can serve each other more effectively. We get out of our little self-protective bubbles and see other people in profoundly uh, new ways. And this is the beauty of the mosaic of the, of the body of Christ from every tribe and tongue. God is, is distinctly using different people in all of our differences and all of our oddities to display his grace in us differently that we might encourage one another as well and gain genuine love and appreciation of each other's. And then you, re, you begin to experience as we live in the fear of the Lord and begin to love each other in this way, we begin to experience the peace, joy, um, patience, gentleness, this fruit of the Spirit. Because this isn't just, this isn't just self-will that's happening. This is the supernatural life uh, lived out, uh, controlled by the Spirit of Christ in the people of God. And, and so that's where we, we end, is that, that this is how they'll know that you're my disciples, that, that you, you love one another. So God is glorified when we rightly fear him, in awe of him, loving him, in light of his love uh, for us, and then in fearing God, the fear of others, the fear of man, dwindles, and it turns into love and service towards others in all of those various spheres of people and categories of people, um, and then particularly in the body of Christ, the church itself, that becomes an evangelistic tool uh, to Jesus Christ and the love of God in Christ. So that, that be the end of the class. Um, we end on love. And uh, we've got a couple of minutes here for any questions. You've got your homework. You know what that is. Um, and then we will have the, the panel in a couple of weeks. So any any questions on today's class that you want to fire? Yes, Aidan.
Yep, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the overarching category of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is a reverence, an awe, and a love for God. So he is, there's, the, there's this fear, like he is in heaven overall, but there's a love of that because he's a father in heaven. Um, so that's the, the, the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord then casts out this fear of man. Uh, but we know the fear of the Lord in terms of when we know his perfect love for us, which, as you know that, then that casts out fear. Fear of man on the horizontal level. Any other questions? Okay. Well, you know where, you know the homework you're going to do. You know, a couple of weeks' time, we meet back here for the panel. It's been a good class. Enjoyed doing it with you. Let me pray to finish and then we'll get upstairs. We do have communion service as well today. So, Our Father, you're so good to us. You're so gracious and merciful to sinners such as us. Um, forgive us for our uh, fear of man um, and increasing in us the fear of the Lord, uh, even in the knowledge of that perfect love uh, that you have given people like us that drives out fear of man and would make us a people of love and service towards others instead of a people who fear uh, and need others. Uh, thank you that we can dwell in that love. Uh, pray that that love will be preached today uh, as Pastor Clint uh, preaches. And even as that display of love is seen in uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, would we uh, be given a greater capacity to even enjoy and experience in it. And I pray that we would even uh, scheme, uh, think how we might love one another and serve one another in this room, in this church uh, today. Would you increase it amongst us by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen.